Hi, I'm Coach Landry, and the topic is principles of a successful relationship. I get this question a lot from people who ask, you know, in the end, you know, I read a lot of websites and I get a lot of advice and, you know, a lot of things, you know, people ask me, you know, does this work? Does that work? You know what? And I, I tell people, let me break it down to you from a psychological, people have actually studied, not guess or you know, it's one thing to get from a magazine or people who have dated, but it's another thing to read studies and have talked to dozens and, and hundreds of people on the subject and actually researched it. So we're going to dive into principles that create a successful relationship. Number one, and this is probably the most important. Do you trust your partner? You know, to me, trust is, is the first and perhaps the most important predictor of a long-term relationship. Because without trust, none of the other six key factors I'm going to talk about that you can follow will have much meaning. So ask yourself the following questions in general. Is your partner reliable? Are they dependable? Can you count on your partner as the rock in your life? You know, what about you for a partner? How are you towards them? For some, trust is complicated and, and some trust blindly while others have trust issues from past relationships. So you need to evaluate your partner uh, and you need to talk about these kind of things and be open because if you're not open, they're never going to know exactly what's going on. And when I say be open, that does not mean treat them uh, in a negative fashion in order to get an answer. It means have an adult conversation. Two adults talk with respect, regardless of feelings. Remember, you always have the right to feel whatever you want. You do not have the right to treat anybody like you want because you feel something. You know, remember that. You know, the next principle, number two is are you and your partner compatible in the dimensions of intimacy? What I mean by that is there are four ways in which I believe we can feel closely connected with our significant others. The four dimensions are physical, emotional, intellectual, and shared activities, right? So if, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure something out, then I want you here's a quick exercise to check you and your partner's compatibility for intimacy. I want you to list the, the four dimensions as followed. I want you to make a, a column, partner A and partner B, and I want you to list these four things, physical, emotional, intellectual, and shared activities. So and next to each dimension, I want you to rank whether this is a must-have, a should-have, or a could-have in your romantic relationship. And after answering this for yourself, next ask your partner to rank theirs on exactly how they would prioritize it. And the most must-have and most must-should combinations between you and your partner, the greater the possibility of intimate relations you'll have if those two lines up between, between the two of you. you got to remember, relationships aren't static. Couples evolve in dimensions of intimacy. Usually it grows. And if you're in a relationship where it's not growing or you're finding yourself questioning while you're in something or you're missing an ex and you're thinking about wanting to reach out to an ex-partner that you had at one time, that's telling you right there that your relationship that you're in, you are not happy. You're not doing it because you're getting in a fight or you're having a moment. It's because ultimately at your core of whatever you're in, the reason you're considering and thinking about other people is because you are, you are unfulfilled. So remember that. It's important to understand one's priorities with another. Because if you don't, you know, these are things normally I, I advise people to solve on first dates, but not everybody has the ability to do that. And if you don't, you need to go and look at some of my first date questions uh, video and review some of those things. Number three, what type, what type of person shows up within you in this relationship? 
consider the friends in your life. Do different friends bring out different sides of you? You know, maybe you're more reserved. Uh, maybe you're rambunctious. Uh, but just as a friend can elect a, you know, a side of you, so does your partner. So consider, consider these, these things when you think about this. Does my better self show up when I'm with my partner? Or does my worst self show up? Perhaps in combination, maybe? Your honest answers to questions like these often offer important clues to the long-term health and happiness of your relationship. If in the end, when you walk away from somebody or they walk away with you and you break up and you're sitting on your couch and you're watching TV or right before you go to bed and you think back on that relationship and you say, yeah, we fought about things, but I loved our activities we did together. I love who we were at our core. We really just needed to resolve a few things around that. And I think we would have been fine. Well, then my advice to you would be maybe you should reach out to your ex and have that conversation. But if you look back at a relationship or a relationship you're currently in and you're like, yeah, I do these activities because I'm with them. But if I was, you know, with somebody else and I could do different types of activities, I would. And you'll, what you'll notice about when you say something like that to yourself is that you're telling yourself you're not really happy. That's all you're really saying in the end. Because you're actually looking for something else, even though you're currently doing something current. Next would be number four. Does your partner's communication lift you up or bring you down? You know, contempt is the opposite of respect. It's often expressed, you know, with negative judgment, criticism, sarcasm, individual worth, communication is known to be kind of tough on a person or soft on an issue. An effective communicator knows how to separate the person from the issue. When I personally have arguments or frustrations, I departmentalize that fight doesn't equal our entire relationship. That fight or that argument or that misunderstanding, however you categorize it where you're at, take it for what it is. But remember, anytime you sit down with somebody to communicate an issue, what's, what's really important is not that how you feel, it's that you're interested in resolving how you feel. Many people will argue and fight to the death. Well, what that tells me when I, when I uh, work with some of my clients, that tells me that you're not interested in resolving. You're interested in venting. And venting is not resolving. You know, as they say, that don't diarrhea out of your mouth. You know, and the reason people say that is because when you're with someone that you care about and you love and you actually want to, you want the relationship to withstand and last a long time. You want to communicate with respect. And when you just vent at people, you're basically what venting means. I'm not happy with you. What telling somebody how you feel and, and but interested in resolving what you're telling them is I'm unhappy with this situation. And I would like to resolve it because I care about us and I love us as a whole. And I want to get past this. Two different types of communication. You know, just remember, you know, some people are passive aggressive. Some people are, are conflict resolution based, meaning they are upfront with their feelings from the start. My advice would always be if you know, how, if you have the ability to say what you feel directly without being disrespectful, that will always be the better approach than holding something in and not saying it at all. Now, for some people who can't do that, my advice is to you is not to say it right when you feel it, but wait till you're in a better place to say it and then say it. Don't hold it in entirely, but maybe wait a day. Cool down, come down from whatever you're thinking before you say it. Remember, people can't unhear what you say. 
I'll repeat that. People cannot unhear what you say. Number five, how do you and your partner deal with conflict in the relationship? To me, my experience in studying these things in psychology and working with clients, couples with poor conflict resolutions typically engage in a fight or freeze behaviors. They fight, they stay mad, holding grudges for years, for months, for weeks, whatever way you roll. And then they fight to avoid the issue by sweeping them under the rug or after endless arguments with no resolution in sight, they freeze emotionally and just shut down. Someone who freezes in a relationship typically goes through the motions on the outside but has stopped caring on the inside. Successful couples, on the other hand, have the ability to solve problems and let go. Now, remember, if you do something traumatic to somebody, that's going to take an amount of time to massage that out. It's not that it's going to be there forever, but it will take time to massage that out. That is not something that will be solved in a quick manner. But if you're talking about your typical fight, you get an argument. You didn't like the way uh, when you were an example would be you're at the mall and a beautiful woman walks by uh, your partner and your partner looks. And that just frustrates you and you end up having to fight about that. Successful couples, like I said, have the problem, you know, the ability to solve that problem and then let it go. Other people will hold on to something like that and be jealous and automatically assume you must be cheating on me. If that's what you're doing when you're around me, I can only imagine why I'm not around you. And then successful couples also, once the matter is resolved, they forgive. Forgetting is the second part, but forgetting takes time, but forgiving takes a moment. You should always forgive as soon as you can. And then, you, and then learn and grow from your experience. You know, couples are like fine wine. Successful couples are like fine wine. Their relationship improves with age and gets better over time. And that's what you want. And that's why compatibility is ultimately important. Number six, how do you and your partner handle external adversity and crisis together? This is a big deal for many couples. Many couples struggle when outside parties like parents, family members enter and cause crisis. One of the traits of highly successful and enduring you know, relationships is the partner's ability to stand together in the face of external challenges. In other words, it's like having children. You should be a united front. No third party should be able to divide how you think. Now, remember, this is all based on some of the principles before number six, that you're compatible. If you're not compatible, you will splinter under these type of changes. A true test of a relationship is going to be whether two people have each other's back when things get tough. Consider these questions when it comes to the principle number six. How do you find how do you find answers in tough situations? Remember, this is about number six is about how do you and your partner handle external adversity and crisis together? So consider these questions. Do external adversity and crisis bring you and your partner closer together or pull you further apart? Do you and your partner act like adults or children? Can you and your partner share the bad times or do you only share good times? Because companions who have endured physical challenges together form a bond that can last a lifetime. Remember that. So think about that the next time somebody tries to chime in on your relationship. And I don't mean friends giving advice. I'm talking somebody actually stepping into your relationship uh, and and having you know a huge burden. Let's get let's do the common example. Common example is you're getting married and your parents have different ideas about how your wedding should go. 
That's a tr that's a good example of are you stronger? Are you at home laughing about your parents' silliness? Or are you actually getting into a fight about it? Think about that. Number seven, and this may be for the average couple the most important principle. Do you have compatible financial values? Lots and lots of studies have identified disagreements over finances as one of the top reasons couples seek marital counseling, divorce, break off engagements, don't stay married, don't stay in long-term relationships. Differences in financial values often appear early in relationships too. Examples are who pays for the first date, what about the second date, and the third, is your partner happy when you give a thoughtful but non-monetary birthday gift, or he or she feel disappointed because you didn't purchase something, you know? I don't not not that they didn't like what you got them, but didn't purchase you purchase something at all. Okay. Additional questions to consider include: Is your partner generally happy with what he or she owns, or is there a constant, you know, insatiable desire to always acquire more? Are you and your partner able to solve financial difficulties and differences as a team? Now, remember, when I say these things, it doesn't mean you should think about money exactly the same. It doesn't mean oh. My husband makes $150,000. My girlfriend makes $100,000, so therefore I should too. No, that's not what this is. It doesn't matter if you make $30,000 and they make $100,000. What matters is when it comes to money, do you have the same concept about the handling of it? Do you agree that one person's better with money than the other, so they should do the majority of it, but you want to be informed on what's going on with it, but you understand they're going to handle most of it? Are you a couple that believes everything is 50-50? Do you believe in joint bank accounts? Do you believe in separate bank accounts? Do you believe in one household account in the middle and you have your own two, you have your own two personal accounts? Okay. Now studies show that it's better to have a in-between account and not sharing an account. So think about these things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat all these all these principles one more time. Okay. First, I'm gonna repeat. Do you trust your partner, number one? Number two, are you and your partner compatible in the dimensions of intimacy? And remember, those are physical, emotional, intellectual, and shared activities. Number three, what type of person shows up within your relationship? Number four, does your partner communicate in a way that lifts you up or brings you down? Number five, how do you and your partner deal with conflict in a relationship? Number six, how do you and your partner handle external adversity and crisis from third parties entering your relationship? Number seven, how do you have compatible financial values? Okay. So this should help you get like a, give you a good sense of principles uh, that found the idea of having a strong foundation in a relationship. Okay. Now, if you have any questions or any you want to you want to dive into the specifics of some of these things further than I've gone into them, you know, or if you'd like to book a personal session and contact me via email below, you know, and if you found this information helpful, show your appreciation by clicking the PayPal donation button, and I will talk to you soon.